gets better every Thank time. Thank you. I know. It gets different every time. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Chug and Chat. We are your hosts, Mo. And Liz. Hello, hello. Hello. Someone thought that I said Lynn today. And I made Lynn. a phone call. <laughs> I like Liz better because Liz too. is your real name. <laughs> well, yeah, me too. But also, I mean, no insults to Lynn, but it, it just, you know, when a name doesn't fit, it feels kind of slimy. Right? You know? Yeah. I wasn't liking the Lynn. She's like, do you spell it L-Y-N-N? I'm like, no, no. L-I-Z, actually. So <laughs> that's uh, it. That's also insulting, too, when you like, when you're a vocalist, because we really pride ourselves on our diction. Right? I'm like, I said Liz. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Did you hear my breath control? My right. God. Um, so welcome, everyone. We wanted to get a wonderful episode celebrating women this week because it was Galentine's Day. Galentine's. My, my fa- Galentine's, my favorite holiday. Ooh, that was, that was weird. <laughs> right, you have to tell everybody what that is now. Um, that was me slurping. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so I downloaded this wonderful app just a few moments ago that includes many free sound effects. So I'm just going to be playing around <laughs> while we're having our episode today. As much as I like doing sound effects with my voice and will continue, this will be yeah, an I interesting mean, addition. They're never going to be as good as ours. That's true. Never but, is good. <laughs> but it'll, it'll like, you know, sprinkling them in, it'll add, I think. Are you drinking anything today? I just have water. Should I get something? I don't know, girl. Are you, what are you drinking? Chat. I'm drinking a screwdriver, which I haven't are had since seriously? I was like 13. Or <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Well, talk to the lovely people. I'm going to go downstairs and get wine. <laughs> Actually, that I can take like you with idea. me. Hold on, everyone, you're coming with me. Oh my god, I you should narrate what's happening in your house. Okay. Like, right, is it, it like down the steps? She's going down the spiral staircase <laughs> in her mansion <laughs> and onto my Carrera marble floors. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Oh, I like these sound effects. Okay, I know. what it's I fun. am actually doing is I'm getting a mug. From which I will drink my wine, and it is an awesome gift from uh, my friend Rachel. Ooh! Yeah, and it says, Nasty Women Unite! Yes! That's so, amazing. this nasty woman, I think I have an open bottle. I do. I have an open bottle of rosé. <laughs> oh, hey! my God! I was... That makes me feel so psychic because earlier I was like, I feel like I should have rosé for today, but I just had to work for too long, so I didn't have time to get any. So, thanks. So, I'm doing it for you. Yes. Okay, cool. All right. So, I have a mug of Can I also really quickly do a glass gift shout out because I also have um, a special glass that I'm drinking out of. It's really cool. It's actually from the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art gift shop. And it's super neat because, like, when you look at it from far away, it just looks like a normal... Um, tall tumbler type glass but when you look inside of it and close up it turns into this like rainbow prism of glass so it's like oh that's really cool pretty beautiful and it's from my dear mother who I have to give credit to because on one of our previous episodes that she listened to 
she um, was very disappointed that I didn't credit her the Diet Coke that was left, in, or the Diet Pepsi that was left in the fridge. I was like, there's just a random Diet Pepsi in my fridge. And she's like, ah, she texted me. She's like, ah, oh, yeah, that, that was mine. That was me. Good for so. her. Calling it out. Keeping us honest. <laughs> What's your mom's name? Ooh. She gets scary music. Why does mom get... Oh! Oh my god, you know who I just sounded like? I just sounded like... Do you remember the old Muppets? That are like, we're... we're, Like, ho, ho, ho! That's exactly what I sounded like. That's amazing. That's really, really amazing. Um, Anyway... Um, let's let's continue talking about Valentine's Day. I love that we're starting with celebrating some of our fave women. Yeah. Um, and of course, one of my favorite women ever is Leslie Nope, who invented Valentine's Day. And I just wanted to share her quote that she says on that episode about Valentine's Day because it cracks me up and it's awesome. So she says, Oh, it's only the best day of the year. Every February 13th, my lady friends and I leave our husbands and our boyfriends at home and we just come and kick it breakfast style. Ladies celebrating ladies. It's like Lilith Fair minus the angst plus frittatas. (laughs) (laughs) So that's one of my faves. And yeah. I love that because that's exactly what it is. It's amazing, right? Did you do anything to celebrate Valentine's Day? No, I honestly, I did not. I, uh... Um, like completely forgot about it until I know, I know, serious <laughs> boo. Until the hive, um, my besties, we all shared Galentine's notes, so we did do like something. Aww. But no, I mean, I, uh, I, I like, I don't have a whole lot. Like all of my girlfriends, none of them are single, and I, I have, like, it's such, it's so complicated to say. It's like. When you move a place and you're an adult, it takes you forever to make gals, to make gal friends that you, that like, that you just communicate without actually having to like plan something. Like I couldn't have been like, oh shit, it's, it's Galentine's. Somebody come out with me. And I totally would have to my friend Rachel, but she's in grad school. And then, so it was like, I didn't think about it till three o'clock and then the day was over. So it's, (laughs) it was funny because that actually was like a really interesting reflection for me. Like, oh, I actually don't have like a huge list of people who I don't make plan like I don't have to make plans with that either live close enough to me because I live like way outside of Portland or that are that I just see all the time and part of that is because like I'm coupled and so and and so is everybody else but that I don't know it was interesting it was kind of an interesting interesting reflection on um sort of just how how things change when you're coupled yeah. Which actually feeds directly into what we're talking about today. But it totally does. Yeah. It totally does. Yeah. I mean, I made not the same mistake, but a similar mistake. I totally forgot that Valentine's Day was its own day. I like yeah. totally like thought it was shared with Valentine's Day. And that even made me think cuz I'm like, why did I just assume that we didn't get our own day? <laughs> I mean, all of these named holidays are sort of silly, but, like, I was also just, like, assuming that it was lumped in with Valentine's Day. Maybe, Mm -hmm. like, as a protest to Valentine's Day. I don't know. But I was very pleased when I was reminded that it was the day before Valentine's Day because I got a couple of messages from some of my besties as well. And I was like, oh, yeah, we, like, actually have 
a separate day for this. You no, know, and you know what? I've actually got to give a shout out to my friend Kelsey because I think she totally listens to this. Hey, Kels, she sent me a Valentine's Day card. Oh, like, like in the mail? Yeah. Yes. That I never know. happens anymore. I know. And then like wrote this incredibly gorgeous message that was like, you inspire me and it would have been so hard to, you know, move across the country and start your own business. And you've done that. Like just took like a ton of time to write me a really personal, really sweet, like Galentine's note. And I just, I was reading it in the car, like, (laughs) because it was just so sweet. And she's just genuinely like a sweet person. That's it. So it wasn't when you read it, like when I read it, it was like, oh, that she means every single word of it. It wasn't like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was like, oh my God, Kelsey, how nice. So anyway, thanks, boo. It was super sweet. No, ooh, ooh, I like that one. Ooh, it's called Game Winner. Ooh, Game ga- game Winner. Game Winner. It seemed appropriate for the story, so. Oh my God, I have to write that down because I want to I wanna be like in the middle of something. I want to be like, give me a Game Winner. Gliz, play the Game Winner. Play, play, press Game Winner. Let's hear what Game Over is. Ooh. Oh, oh. <laughs> really appropriate for everything having to do with this presidency. Uh, yeah, you're right. Game Ooh. over. Blue. Exactly. Which is, just sounds like an erection going limp. It does. <laughs> oh, let's play it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. It is. That's what it is. I'm which seems like, seems like a good segue into um, Valentine's Day, which Erections is. Erections going down. <laughs> well, just or, just penises, I guess, is more more what I, I meant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All erections going out. I well, kind know of. what you meant. Kind of though. I mean, because like, I do feel like there's a lot of a lot of people out there who feel pressured to celebrate the holiday in one way or the other, and I I have conflicted feelings about it because I find myself sort of falling into that like. Oh my God! What what's gonna happen on Valentine's Day? And I think it's because you know who doesn't a like to be shown love and b like to look forward to something that's sort of out of their daily routine. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But on the other hand, yeah, it's like reading all the single ladies by Rebecca Traister right now, and I'm queen. also queen, and also Handmaid's Tale, and all this other stuff. Like I can't help but like feeling sort of horrified about Valentine's Day, like at least in the context of all these other things I've been reading. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely, of course, the idea that it's like a consumer-driven holiday and that it's it's obviously created by the patriarchy. And, I mean, like, Saint the Valentine's Day Massacre is like... So it has a lot of really kind of icky, creepy origins. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm, I go back and forth about it, right? Because most of the time I don't care... And I don't celebrate because it's Valentine's Day. I like like honoring the person that I'm with. And I like going out to spend time doing something we wouldn't normally do. So it's like we, for us, like. You take it as an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, for us, we don't go on like super fancy dates very often. Some people do that, right? Like they're foodies. They go out. They, you know, spend 200 bucks on a dinner or something. And it's not a big deal because they do that all the time. But for yeah. us, like, we, we do that for Valentine's Day and our anniversary. So it's kind of nice to have, like, two a year that you're like, okay, well, we're going to go try a new place that we haven't ever tried. So, like, it's become more of that for, for us. Sure. Um, but I have to say, like, I totally fall into the trap if I'm like, okay, we're not going to do gifts this year. Like, this year we weren't going to do gifts. 
Yeah. And, but I ended up, like, got, getting him, like, some funny things um, shopping on Amazon when I was in Arkansas over the weekend because I was bored to tears. <laughs> and, um, ooh. ooh. <laughs> and um, so I bought him some stuff and, and, like, little things. And I was like, well, I just won't tell him because I don't want him to feel guilty about not getting anything because we talked about it. We're not going to get any, any, you know, each other anything. And then I was like, no, because I'm going to be sad if he doesn't get me anything. What's that? <sighs> Well, Poor guy has awareness. he supposed to know, you know, <laughs> that I don't mean what I say ever, you know? Yeah. So, so I told, I, and so and he came home with flowers last night. We had, we had a beautiful evening. We had an incredible dinner and it was like super fun. What did you and eat? We, oh my gosh, we went to this um, Brazilian place and it's nice. a Brazilian seafood place. It was absolutely incredible. We had um, lobster, it's the, like the sweetest lobster I have ever, ever had. It was mm. so, so good. And had um like had the uh, just the best um we had beef cheeks i'm trying to remember exactly what we had we had beef cheeks we had um empanadas wow yeah i mean it's just awesome it was great we had dessert and we drank i got to drink um sparkling rosé <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. so it was great and, and we left and like got to catch up and stuff and and that was really really nice so to me it was about that and it, it's like an excuse sure. to go out and do stuff I don't feel I don't ever feel and really haven't since I was like in school felt like pressured for it to be amazing yeah yeah I totally I totally agree with you because I had a similar type evening equally with flowers um not extravagant food though we ate some um some veggie burgers yeah, <laughs> but that's, that was by choice so it was fine but i also had champagne and some rosé um so it was a lovely evening and i totally agree with the sentiment that like why not use it to have you know a night of intimacy and connection and like you i also really like to honor the person i'm with and really celebrate that love with other people but I guess, and I might be totally overthinking this, but it, it was still hard in the midst of A Handmaid's Tale, not wow. feeling, not still feeling a little bit like, you know, I mean, I, I just hate the way that kind of stuff is portrayed now, right? Socially. It's like, you know, you have a commercial of like a man, like forgetting to do something for Valentine's Day or literally exactly the scenario you're describing about the gifts. Like, yeah, like we said, we promised we weren't going to do gifts. And then like the man has to like slug out to like get some, you know, heart shaped chocolates or whatever. Or like and, a like, diamond bracelet or something. Right. And then the, they show like the picture of the mom and she's a mom of course in this instance and she's at home and she's like dealing with all the kids and is so stressed and is like you know like they show her sitting in her room alone thinking like man like i just wish that we hadn't said we weren't gonna do gifts or like some shit like that so i guess you know and again it might be overthinking it and i loved the gesture from eric because again i i wanted that moment of intimacy with him for sure um but I couldn't also help but think, like, these red roses symbolize, like, the red of the handmaids and, like... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and, and that's totally true. It's completely wrapped up in the idea that, A, that you're in a committed monogamous relationship, right? Because you don't typically... Yeah. You know, if you're... I, but I, I guess I can't really say that, but I because I don't have experience being in, like, open relationships or anything like that. But I, I think Valentine's Day takes on a much different meaning because you're supposed to have, like, one Valentine, Right. So it assumes yeah. that, and it also assumes that you have the money to buy stuff. Like, 
you know, what what you're doing. Privilege in it, (laughs) right? I think I think it's a it's a completely privilege based holiday, and that's why I don't like it. You know, that's why it's not something that I'm like, ooh, can't wait till Valentine's Day. Like I'm always like, ah, well, Valentine's Day's coming. Do you want to go try that place we got a gift card to? (laughs) Which is literally what we did last night. But but you know, I mean, it's delightful. I think it's (laughs) it like everything else. Um is very much steeped in privilege, but I also think it's it's it was also I, I think one of the reasons why women like it is because we don't really have that many days where the female form gets to be celebrated and that's the object of it. Um while I think, you know, the patriarchy has taken steps to make it totally nasty and like buy your woman this like crazy corset thing that's super uncomfortable so she can parade around in it for you on Valentine's Day. Um, I think it's it's still a moment where, like, if you are um, a domestic engineer, you know, if you are in the home all the time and your husband sucks and he doesn't take you anywhere, he might feel compelled to do so because of the social construct of, of Valentine's Day. And maybe that's a good thing. Does that maybe. make sense? Yeah. You know? It does. It does. I just, I have a really hard time not viewing it myself, I guess, as like, you know, it's meant to be like, oh, well, this will just like distract the woman and put her off for like, you know, the next six months or until the next holiday. So she continues to like. Well, right. Yeah. Like she do her domestic duties. And right, I don't like, like the symbolism of any of that. So like, like I'll take her to dinner one time and I'm and wash my hands of it for the year. Yeah. I mean, I, and yeah. again, I'm sure that, again, this is going to always be part of our conversations. I think like it's certainly, again, how it's portrayed in the media and entertainment, et cetera, because a lot of that is just influenced by by commercials and stuff like that that I've seen where it really has been portrayed that way. And I guess I just have this kind of natural like... I don't know. Aversion to it. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, but, but of course, that's not to say that, like, there isn't, like, an inner voice in my head a lot of the time, too, that's, like, totally playing into it. So I'm not... Well, and that kind of goes back to the whole, this, like, basically the entire theme of this podcast, right? Which is, like, what what about all of that is an, is a natural, organic kind of feeling? And what about that's informed by the patriarchy? Like, are we just informed that we are supposed to like something... And you know what I mean? Like, are, are yeah. we supposed to like the gesture? And was that was that a construct that was built to give men a way out of actually like addressing right. equality issues? It's like yeah, shut like, up and get pretty, so I can take you to dinner. And yeah, maybe you know, yeah. maybe we don't have to talk about how you don't make the same wages as me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not discuss it because because I know that all women love red roses above all, and so. You know, I mean, so Eric got me red roses, which actually I don't think he has ever done before. And again, like I like I'm maybe not trusting myself enough right now because I'm like, do I like them? Like they look really pretty, but do I actually like them or is it that I've been told to like them? You know, what well, I mean? you know, and it's one of those things both, that like you don't both. you don't have to like the thing. You can like the gesture. And that's it. That's yeah. Absolutely it. Yeah. I completely agree with that. So I, I think there's you know, that. I think there's two things, too, because a lot of times too. And this is going to sound like super shitty, but I think you're going to understand what I mean. You, sometimes we Wait, have do I need to a sound give, effect? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, do it after afterwards <laughs> and <laughs> tell me how you think based on it because it's probably not going to be a game winner. Probably not going to be a game winner. Um, but I sort of feel like sometimes, I know particularly with my husband, like sometimes he really does deserve the benefit of the doubt. He he is the patriarchy, right? Like he, it does, doesn't mean to be, but he is. 
and he, you know, grew up that way, right? Like, wasn't raised to be, like, wasn't raised to, like, dominate women or anything like that. So he, he, you know, he knows not what he does a lot of the time. <laughs> and, and so to me, it's like, I really appreciate the fact that he actually cares about Valentine's Day because it's, it's his way of be, of, like, being, you know, being able to, like, go that extra mile, which he does to me all the time. He does for yeah. me all the time. So I think if it was, like, once a year, I'd be like, well, fuck you. You can't get out of this. But <laughs> but because it's, like, it's it's a day that, like, you know, we wouldn't normally go out on a Tuesday or whatever. Like, I, I, think, I think a lot of the times, especially, I mean, I, I don't know if you're finding this, too. But, like, since we, we've started this podcast and I've started reading everything that I'm reading, I'm looking at everything with a much bigger microscope. A much bigger microscope? I don't know. I don't know. A much more powerful <laughs> microscope a bigger magnifying glass and like really trying to pick apart some things and sometimes he's like well I just really wanted to bring you flowers like that's really what I wanted to do and I'm like yes but did you want to because of the patriarchy and he's like what is the page he asked me the other day he's like so like what how do you define the patriarchy I was like oh okay okay um how much time do you have Yeah, how much time did you take? <laughs> you know, um, I took, I didn't take very long, actually. What um, did you say? Well, what I said was the, and this is like the most basic definition, right? So I said it is the power that specifically white males have had over social construct, over um, be, like supposed behavior of other human beings, and that has created this environment of these are the things that are accepted and these are the things that aren't. So they're like they are the people who um, who drafted the rules that yeah. we now all try to like shove ourselves into a star shaped box, you know, that nobody fits into. Yeah. Anywho, that was sort of like my like basic definition of the patriarchy because of course it goes way deeper than that. How did he respond? And he was like, oh, well, that's kind of, that's not what I thought it was. And I was like, oh, and I was like, okay, what, what do you think that it is? Because that's really interesting to me. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, technically, like, you are the patriarchy. So, you know, yeah, like, so what do you think? Yeah, so what do you think? <laughs> and, and he was like, I don't really know what I think about that yet. And we, like, the conversation trailed off and we started talking about something else. But I'm totally going to bring it up again and be like, I really wanted, I'm so curious to know what he thinks the patriarchy is. Because I think when we start having those conversations with the patriarchy directly and find out what they think it means and what they could potentially have to offer in terms of language that can be used to get to members of the page. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Anyhow, I thought it was interesting. Well, it also like, it goes back to that, to that one of those videos that I sent you, which essentially is about like micro inclusions, right? Like if, yeah, if, if, the person who's not being oppressed, the oppressor, actually, like, stands up in certain social situations. Like, it's going to set the standard for other oppressors to do the same, rather than if the oppressed stood up for themselves in some situations, it's actually not in their best interest because people will just respond negatively. I thought that was so interesting. Remember that video I sent you, like, the woman video. at the grocery store? Yeah, yeah. we'll have to... Did I post that? We need to post uh, that. I don't know. I don't know if you did or not. I was on a plane and I watched it like when we were, well, I was supposed to have my phone off. So I didn't check. <laughs> Sorry. Don't admit that. Wait, hold on. Let me get, hold on. Let me, wait a second. Let me just. 
had to. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, United Airlines. Sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. But yeah, I mean, that video is insanely. And I think that video is so important. And it's exactly sort of what you and I are on the journey to do is, is find out how we can appropriately call out um, microaggressions, um, injustice, prejudice, all of those things in, in a way that might make other white people who just don't even think about that kind of stuff go, oh, wait a minute, that does mean something else. Yeah. I'm up for it. <laughs> I, right? Like, put on my boxing gloves. Yeah, I know, right? I, but I did I did appreciate that video for that reason, too, because I think, um, I don't know if you felt this way, but sometimes I've heard other women tell me that they really feel stuck because they want to help but they're like is this like is this the place where I'm supposed to say something or I'm supposed to like give the space for you know them to have their say like you know like should I what should I be doing to be involved in Black Lives Matter for example like I really want to participate but I also don't want to like shove my like whiteness strategy on them either like knowing that maybe I need to take a back seat right and I think this was a cool example of like maybe some of the social situations where, um, you know, I guess our privilege essentially and status as the oppressor can actually help in that situation. Yeah. And I think, I really think that to me, where you draw the line to get involved is, you know, when you are, or, or to say something instead of take in information is, you know, if you are if you are bearing witness to something, whether it's somebody's Facebook status, whether it's he- overhearing somebody talking about someone or to someone um, in a way that's that's contrary to I, I mean, that's wrong. Like that's I like I was trying to find a better way to say wrong, but like there isn't right. <laughs> it's wrong. Yeah. Like if you if you think other people are less than you, you are wrong. You are incorrect. And when when that sort of incorrectness is going on, (laughs) then I think you should be compelled to say something about it. But where I don't think, you know, when you're going to try to be a part of these other movements, like go and, and share your support, but go to listen when you're going to participate in something, um, regardless of what it is. Right. So like I, the women's March, for instance, like I, I am a woman, of course it was, it was, I had every right to be there. I wanted to be there. But I didn't go with the intention of being like, everybody, you know, like I, I didn't go to say anything. I went to go listen to the stories of the women that marched with me. And I think that's what you have to do, right? Like you have to, when you're going to go be a part of these larger movements and you're going to go be around a bunch of other people, it's your turn to listen. And if you go in with the idea that you intend to listen, you'll end up having really meaningful conversations with other people instead of going to like spread your message. Do you know what <laughs> I, I mean? Agree. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that was a cool distinction made in the video. Like you said, I mean, this is not that it's wrong to stand up to other white people when we're in a group of just white people. But I, right. I thought that was a really good example because it was like, no, like you're witnessing an injustice so you're going to stand up in that situation because you have more power. So you right. need to set that standard and, like, use your power um, for good, essentially. Yeah. Um, and you're right. It's a totally different tone when you're going to, like, a protest or some other event where the idea is really not to just come in and <laughs> state all of your opinions. Especially yeah, as and the be white like, person. move over, Black Lives Matter. I'm on talk. Like, no. <laughs> right, exactly. No. But that being said, I mean, any women of color out there who would be willing to, like, 
school us or whatever, like we would obviously always love to hear your thoughts about Please. where you think it's appropriate for us to talk and not because we certainly talk a lot on here. <laughs> oh, so. God, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think that's the sort of thing, too, is you have to kind of make your outlet to talk through something sometimes. Um, yes. And make sure that you have that that you have a community that you trust that you can start to say, you know, because these conversations and, and like I'm wrong like a thousand times a day, like super wrong, use the wrong words. Um, I, I, like we'll start to say something and realize that it's like super ill-informed and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So I think it's really important to make sure that you have Galentines, you know, Galentine's. and that, that you have a, a resource and... A, a group of people that you can that you can go to with some of these questions and and go you know and, and make sure that you're you're growing as a human being as you're learning about stuff like this and I think that's that's the hardest part and it's the like most uncomfortable part because you have to be wrong to be corrected and to do it right yeah you know like nobody's like inherently correct on social justice like nobody like knows how to solve these problems in one fell swoop because they would have or they should be president but <laughs> you know but do you know what i mean like okay but it you know i mean it doesn't i don't know and that's that's just all i have to say about that i totally understand um how's your wine by the way oh it's how's your rosé it's so good <laughs> it's amazing what that's kind is yummy. it um oh man don't ask oh me nope don't worry. Do you have to go back downstairs? Down yeah, your I'd have to go back downstairs. I, I do you remember how you were talking about how you just know the label of the champagne that you like, and you like couldn't remember yes. the brand of it? Yeah, so it's that. I'm like, oh, I it's like that. that. One. I know. I need to get that wine app where you can actually log things so that you remember. Because apparently, I uh, drink too much wine to know. <laughs> That's a great. <laughs> to know idea. what's been happening. That's a yeah. Great my mom idea. uses it actually, so I will. I will share it with you. And do you like go um, on and be like? I like that one. I don't like that one. I don't know the full extent of it. I imagine so. And you like take a picture of the label itself and it like saves it in a little log for you. And Whoa, yeah, that's serious. And stuff. I think you can share it and all of that mm. stuff. So I know it's pretty cool. Um, so can I share my Valentine's story with you and yes. then we can stop talking about this God awful holiday. No, I'm just, yes. I'm just kidding. That's not, that's not my takeaway. I promise. Um, okay, so yeah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was trying to go, blah, 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 but I did something else. Oh, I well, you did, but I also really love that sound effect as well. <laughs> the first one sounded like Little Mermaid, maybe, Kiss the Girl. Oh, like, ah, <laughs> like that one where she sings and Ursula um, takes her voice. Yeah, that's a great one as well. <laughs> Sorry. Tell your story. Oh, my God. Okay, so this is a Valentine's Day story, not only because it was told to me on Valentine's Day, but it's because it's about a Valentine's Day anniversary. So I was talking to a coworker of mine who is a Latina woman who's in L.A., and she's, like, super friendly and, like, really talkative. And it's like, blah, 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 Valentine's Day, dee dee It's my husband and my anniversary. And, like, sharing all this, you know, like, seemingly very positive, happy Valentine's stuff. And then she, like, goes into this story about how, you know, in... I think she just was thinking of this because, of course, she was thinking about, like, the history with her husband. Because she told me she'd been with him for nine years. And I'm looking at her, like, 
she looks very young. I wonder how old she is. So I was like, when did you guys start dating? And she said, middle school. And I was like, okay. Well, that's scary. Wow. Um, <laughs> I mean, awesome, I guess, right? But I was also just like, whoa. So then she, anyway, so she's telling me this, how when she was younger, visiting family in Mexico, and forgive me, I can't remember which city, she was telling me how, um, you know, really girls as young as 13, 14, like, hook up with older men, get married, and, like, immediately pump out kids. And, like, oh my God. right. And, like, you know, she's like, it's not obviously common everywhere in Mexico, but where this city in particular, you know, this was very common. And so, because she started dating her now husband when she was in middle school, there were at least family members in Mexico, if not also family members in the U.S., who are like pressuring her, like, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? Is he starting a lot when older she's fourteen? Is he um, a lot older than her? No, he's not. They were actually in middle school together. Okay, so Um, so she kind of broke the tradition in that way, too. Definitely. So it's like she already is seeing this kind of different, like, cultural landscape between the U.S. and Mexico. Because she's like, obviously, like, I didn't get it as much, like, from my family in the U.S., like, or, you know, who were younger in the family. um, Because it's not quite the same. So, I, yeah, I wasn't expected to get married when I was 14. But I did start getting the pressure kind of from all sides of the family, like starting that young right so then she's like years later we when we finally got married which like really meant like at 19 wow (laughs) yeah um she finally got married and but i guess this was also different too but i guess she like convinced him well i don't know if convinced is a fair word but essentially they decided and agreed that they would still wait a while to have kids even though like more of the expectation was to like pump out kids right away right and people are like, oh, they're finally married. And she had been saying, like, I'm not going to have any kids until we get married for a while. And so they finally get married. They agree to wait, which, like, to me is, like, t- seems like a feminist dream, right? I'm like, victory. She, she totally you know, stepped out of the norm. And, like, they agreed together to wait because they weren't ready. And then, boom, she accidentally gets pregnant two months after they get married. Holy <laughs> I know, like, we need a sound effect there, but I was not prepared for that. But, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, that was also, like, oh, my God, right? So her whole family is really happy. She says within six months of having her daughter, um, the family members were, like, when are you going to have your next kid? Because, like, <gasps> literally people have, like, up to, like, 15 kids in an immediate family. It's, like, you're supposed to pump them out, pump them out, pump them out. Oh, my God. How recently did you have her daughter? Yeah, so going by the math and finally what she told me, so her daughter is three now, and this woman is not yet 23. Oh, my. And she's, like, you know, saying things like, if you can believe it, I used to have a good body, you know, before the baby weight, and, like... She probably still looks amazing. She's fucking beautiful, (laughs) swear jar, but she's beautiful. Um, Yeah, and... But she's carrying around that social stigma like literally emotional weight when she's 23 years old can you i can't even wrap my brain around that no i was like a freaking psycho when i was 23 years old yeah i cannot imagine it i I was the worst yeah i was the worst as well like i just like was a shitty person and she's so not a shitty person she's like super selfless like she tells me she's like the communicator between like people and her husband's family which like isn't really her responsibility she also tells me like 
that she didn't make it to the holiday party for our company because she's literally walking out the door as his family members came over because they were, I guess, going to help him watch their one daughter, which mm-hmm. seems un- unnecessary, but I guess is also kind of a cultural thing, right? Sure. Um, because they got there 45 minutes early, she, like felt like she had to like invite them in the house offer them drinks like and and like was trying to sneak out before they got there so she wouldn't feel pressured to stay and instead of having a husband who would be like Vanessa already has these plans she's going to her company's holiday party he like asked her to stay because he didn't want to be with his family members alone like it's just like so she she was ready to walk out Yeah, she's ready to walk out the door, like, dressed up. And, like, you know, so just all of these things combined just made me feel so profoundly sad because, you know, I just, like, and again, I'm reading Handmaid's Tale, so not great timing, but it made me feel like, (laughs) you know, kids are imprisonment, even though they're also, like, our future and wonderful. And I love kids, you know, don't get me wrong, but it's, like... I just felt so sad that that's, like, been the pressure of her life. And she's, like, whip smart. She's, like, significantly better than a lot of people in her same position. Um, And it just, yeah, it just kind of was crazy. But then I also was thinking about how, you know, like, who am I to, like, impose my, like, white westernized culture on hers and, like, assume that she feels imprisoned. Like, she didn't really imply that. She was just kind of saying... Isn't it crazy we celebrate our anniversary from when we first started dating in middle school and not our wedding anniversary in May? And, like, tells me this whole story, <laughs> you know? And I think I think this kind of goes back to where the narrative of feminism diverted from women of color. Because, like, there, it didn't, it didn't necessarily take into account that, you know, there are cultural circumstances under which, you know, that maybe that it doesn't mean the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but also, like, it kind of means the same thing. Because if she's telling you this story, she obviously is telling you, like, like the correlation between, oh, Valentine's Day, it's that day today, I'm going to tell you about that day, to then <laughs> telling you about the entire saga of her marriage and then telling you about why she couldn't go to the holiday party. That's not usually, like, and I'm just so gosh darn happy that I told you that. I mean, do you know what I, do you know what I mean? Like, it sounds a little bit like word vomit. Like, she just, like, needed to tell somebody that. Yeah, maybe so. It's, like, really hard to read her, though, because she, like, has just such a happy, cheerful demeanor. Like, it's so hard. even scarier, though, because then, poor thing, like, she just sort of, like, will smile till she dies. And it's, like, you you know, I mean, that's, like, and that's the role of the woman, right? Like, you grin and bear it, and you, you know, make sure the house is nice, and you, and you cook, and you clean, and you have babies, and aren't they cute, and and yeah, of course, my, my husband's family's coming. Well, oh, that's great. I, I didn't intend to do anything with my time. Yeah. And like, I know, how sad. God. How totally sad. Yeah, yeah. I completely thought so, too. And I did think it was relevant since I know we wanted to start talking about Rebecca Traster's amazing book, All the Single Ladies, today. Because, yeah, I just can't help but feel really sad in those moments. And just like, God, yet again, it's like I'm consistently like recognizing like, the oppression of all women and feeling that like very physically and yeah. then also being like boom privilege smack in the face like yep i don't have it so bad you know like i can choose whether to have kids or not right now you yeah know? i can choose whether or not i get married and what that means even you know? on a more basic level you can choose if you want to go out or not yeah you can choose to include I can drag Eric to my holiday party. <laughs> right. And like, I mean, too, like, 
we can choose whether or not to include our significant other in plans. Like our yeah. our husband boy and boyfriend have nothing to do with this podcast, and I'm not so sure that that that. Well, I'm, I mean, by not so sure, I mean I'm positive. I think that that all ties into privilege as well. It's like, well, you know, I can, I can, and in the middle of the day. I mean, it's not the middle of the day, but like, you know, I don't, I don't have to. Please worry. don't say that I have a job. <laughs> yeah, but, do, but do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, um, it's not like ten o'clock at night, and I just got off working double shifts to like make sure that we can pay our bills, and then I have to feed my kids and go to bed. Yeah, exactly. You know, like I have the time. It, like in my schedule right now to be like oh yeah and I got to read that article and wasn't that great and I you know lay in bed for an extra 15 minutes in the morning and I read the news so yeah. you know inherently all of that yeah it's even in how much privilege. we like get to learn and get to absorb and like you said think about this stuff and do this like I was thinking about that as well this week when I was running this training because I was like you know there's a couple people who like really don't take initiative in the same way meaning like they're not eager to like take extra responsibility so they can learn and like move up. Like they'll do, some of them will do like the bare minimum. And I'm like, I know these people now, like they're very clearly not lazy, you know, and these are frontline staff, like some of our agents. And I was like, they're not lazy by any means. But then it's like, when I learn about them, it's like a lot of them do have three or four kids. And like the only thing they're able to do when they get home, of course, is spend time with their family and be a parent and, you know, I mean, thinking about how busy they also are at work, like ad- ad- adding extra responsibility is sort of like not fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And I because because it's so and too, I mean, you don't know those their their situation with their partners. It's an entirely right. possible that it's a one sided situation. They get home like they they work so that they can you know, get home and just and drill through the rest of the day getting everything done. Maybe they don't have a lot of help from their partners. Maybe they don't. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's when you start unraveling it, it's incredibly overwhelming how much of what you think your life is being a white woman. I know. Um, is, I know what is, is not right. It's, what it's is, incorrect. What is this book? What is Rebecca Traster's book like making you think about all this? Like, has it changed your perspective at all? Or like, what, do, what do you think? Hugely. Yeah. And you guys, if you have not read this book, um, Liz turned me on to this book. When did you read this book? Like a long time ago, you said. Okay, actually, let me give another shout out since it's like Galentine's week. And hold yeah. on, let me do this one sound effect. <laughs> oh, chainsaw. Chainsaw. And that's a shout out to my soulmate, Lisa, who actually sent me this book Lisa. many months ago. Lisa. Um, yeah, so shout out to her for giving me this book. I think it was like maybe six months ago even. I don't know. It was a, it was a little while ago. But I've been sending it to people as gifts like ever since. So I've been paying it forward. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. So it's called All the Single Ladies. It's by Rebecca Traister, T-R-A-I-S-T-E-R. We'll post it. I mean, you can get it on Amazon. Remember, remember last time when I was talking about <laughs> when I like drunkenly ordered books and I totally forgot that they, and they were just like delivered to my house. And I was like, ooh, Christmas, book Christmas. That's what I was ordering. <laughs> bing, 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 game winner. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, but this is really making me, making me think about uh, like kind of everything, right? Yeah. So um, it's... I guess the best place for me to start um, are, are, is this overarching theme that I'm noticing that I'm feeling like I can tie into just about everything 
Um, and I want to I want to like only touch on it briefly because I want I want you to talk about the cool parts that you, you saw about the history in the beginning of the book because I just think that that's really awesome. Yeah. Um, but what I'm noticing is is the the patriarchy and and even even you know go as, going as so far um, going so far as to say the government um, use social constructs and and social norms to disguise true systemic problems um, and that's something that I'm noticing very much in reading this it's like well it's easier to turn the image of the wife into the gold standard and turn the image of, you know, women who remain single into like a personal problem or a personal choice rather than looking at why that may be and how it can be addressed systemically. Like our, um, you know, our, our, most women remaining single because of choice, which like in in white America, yes. Yeah. Um, but you know what what does it say about you know marginalized communities, people, um, communities of color? Why are they? Do you, do you understand where I'm going? Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's turning it into like um, and and where uh, the I cannot take credit at all for for this point being made. Um, I just finished a book and and I think are you still reading it right? I'm still reading it. Yeah. Eventually we're gonna have to so talk about this book because it's so yes. good. I know. It's, so um, good. it's called From Black Lives Matter to Black Liberation by Kianga Yamada Taylor. Um, we've referenced it a couple of times, but but what what she says is you know that to to distract from true systemic problems um, and the ex- one of the examples that's like the most illustrative that she gives is. Um, the welfare state, you know, rather than addressing the fact that, you know, th- that um, communities of color rely so much on welfare in, in, in certain circumstances, it's because like they were given shitty housing, they have like major police violence problems, they have shitty schools and like community and the government is not taking care of them. Right. <laughs> Instead, like, you know, those like huge glaring problems is they're distracting from that by saying like by creating the image of like the welfare queen who like hasn't worked for six generations or what you know whatever right, right um and is like hanging out like living off the american tax dollars and and that's just that's just incorrect like that that like while statistically there might be like four human beings that are doing something like that it's incorrect and so i think it's the same thing with this whole stigma around being single like it's easier to think like, yeah, oh, singleism? a single woman. Is that yeah. what they called it? Yeah. Yeah, that like the, you know, that you're, it's easier to be, to treat single women as a second, as a second class citizen to inspire them to marry because so much of what the patriarchy is and what our government is wouldn't, and even what our economy is, wouldn't exist without the construct of marriage. Um, it's easier to kind of push those people who, you know, to the singlists into, you know, trying to get married and push that stigma on them than it is to actually address the real problem. Like, why do we need marriage? Why is marriage something, you know, that's been historically used to keep women in line? Right. Anyway, that's like, I'm just I, starting to bite that off and chew it. I know. God, it just like, it's a really a game changer to think yeah. about in terms of... At least for me, like, it's it's really given me pause 
to think about like, well, what is white women's role in that now? Like, is it to lead the single charge? Like, it, you know, and I'm still really parsing through that and we'll be curious what you think as we continue through the book. Cause I think you're about halfway through right, right now, right? Yeah, yeah, I just got halfway, yeah. Yeah, so I, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity to talk about this here. Um, you know, I'll even give a shout out to Lena Dunham who had a, a great interview with Rebecca Traster on one of her episodes this year. Um, oh, yeah, I need to listen to that. I yeah, to that. yeah, maybe we, I can find a way to link it on the page as well um, if folks are interested. But I actually know a lot of women at this point that have read this, and there's been just so much interesting conversation about what that means for the future. And, like, you know, those of us that do have a choice, like, you know, what should we do? Or is that important? And yeah. You know, how does that all play a role? So I'm I'm so excited we're talking about this, but it, it's a great book and kind of long. So I imagine we'll have a lot to talk about. Yeah. Oh, and I just want to, can I mention one more thing, too, that's, like, been the overarching theme? Yeah. Um, And this is something that, like, we could honestly spend an entire episode on, and I'm basing this assumption purely on this text. So this is not an, I, like, I'm, like, <laughs> disclaimer, um, full di- <laughs> Um, or like, what do they say on the news all the time? Like full disclosure. Um, (laughs) this is not, I'm just beginning to form this, this, and I'm going to call it just straight up an opinion because I think, um, I think I'm incorrect, but I'm going to say it anyway. So in, in reading this book, they talk all about, um, you know, the, the 1950s was of course the age where women went to work in the, in the, uh, factories and things like that to keep the economy going to fuel the war because, um, so many, uh, of the men were overseas. And then, you know, and that was sort of a, a leveling moment for white women and for, and for women of color because everybody was working side by side and that's just what everybody was doing. They all had to do that. And then it was a, a kind of a large symbol of, of, um, privilege that, you know, when white husbands came back, many, many white women went back to, to, um, being the like overlord of the home and stopped working and that and led which led them to like being super depressed and awful and all of that you know um <laughs> but it also led to a huge you know rise in consumerism which then fueled the economy um that put money into back into the men's pockets who needed jobs so it was all kind of a cyclical thing and um in that moment you know when when feminism in the 60s and 70s started to to arise and be like well we're getting out of the house I think a lot of women of color were like, well, what the fuck do you mean? We, we, we haven't been in the house for a long time. Like yeah. we had to keep working. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, to I support see, their families and like, yeah. yeah, like a lot of the time they're not even like they may or may not be married, but I think the point as well is that like they actually have to take care of like their parents and their extended family members. A lot of the yeah. time, it's not even just immediate family that they're caring for. Cause all of them like, because of, you know, classism essentially yeah are in poverty and their partners may or may not be incarcerated their partners may or may not be able to find jobs or be being paid fairly for the jobs that they're doing so i think that was a really defining defining moment where where feminism became like a, a white women driven thing um was the assump was you know they just sort of forgot in that moment to go wait a minute you know, I mean, everybody who we worked with in the factories, like, I wonder what they've been up to for the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, but it is sort of, again, 
hate to do this, but again, it just may, reminds me of The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, we're going to do an episode Margaret on The Handmaid's Tale, you guys. If you have, and if you haven't read it, get it now. It's read also it. You'll a, read it in two days. It's so yeah, good. It's, you'll read it really fast. It's like a really fast, interesting read. But it does remind me of that, too, because it really is like if you're shutting off different classes of women... You know, I mean, it's like you don't have the opportunity to communicate and your vision sort of gets narrower and narrower and less like, yeah. you know, opportunity otherwise presents itself. So while I'm not saying that we shouldn't take responsibility, it's also interesting to think about like, God, what would I have done in that situation? Would that have even crossed my mind? Like, probably, probably not. not. Yeah, probably not. And I think I think that's one of the things, you know, I, I'm sure it didn't. I'm sure it didn't cross anybody's mind because, you know, yeah. if you watch like, and this is like a really terrible illustration, but like if you watch <laughs> Mad Men, right, and you're watching Bets sitting at home in her like gorgeous dress, smoking a cigarette and like being miserable in her house because it's silent all day long and she's alone, you know, I mean, you look at her and you're like, I bet she's not like, I wonder what's happening in communities of color. You know, what I mean? Do you yeah. know what I mean? like I'm sure that that wasn't even happening. She probably, you know, uh, they were very consumed in their own struggle and i think i think that that's something that that is human to do when you go into sort of survival mode you go into survival mode you know you're not really thinking about all of these other things and the greater implications that they could be having on the world as a whole you're like god my life is really shay right now yeah well why am i so bummed (laughs) why am i so damn bummed why am i so Wait, I'm trying to find. Damn it! Hold on. Where's oh, the doorbell? Oh, I just stubbed my toe so bad. No, Ding wait, dong, wait. Ouch game toe. over. Wait, game over. Oh. <laughs> Deflated penis. I'm so oh. sorry though. That Actually, that really made me sucks. feel better. That, oh, good. That made me feel better. <laughs> Thank you. Limp dicks always make me feel great. Um, sorry, that was rude. But Ow. are you okay? Yeah, I am. I'm sorry. Pour I'm some rosé on it. Pour some rosé on it. Okay. Um, but you just made me think of like the whole backlash theory thing, you know, because what is that? So they were talking or she was, I keep saying they, she was talking about in the book how the 1950s, of course, was a backlash to the progressive oh, yeah. era, yeah. Eight, which was like supposedly 1890 to 1920. And it's so interesting because it's like women have such single women in particular have had such influence on social movements partially because we inextricably link different issues together because they're all women's issues so it was Mm -hmm. talking how like you know in the 1920s the puzzle became more intricate because fights for unionization were linked to women's suffrage which were influencing prohibition and social welfare and it just like it makes it made me really question like you know, being in the Trump era at the moment, like, are we experiencing a backlash of the Obama presidency or are we like more of like in a progressive era war where like we're linking all these issues like at the Women's March, you know, and things are going to get better before they get worse. You know, I just it made me think about like where we're at now and what that means. That's so interesting, too. Like the. I mean, t- like, <laughs> I, I'm like resisting the urge to be like unpack that. <laughs> Are we in a backlash or not? I mean, maybe that's maybe that's another topic for episode two, and we can sort of again like put it out to anyone who's listening out there because I, you know, I'm just I would be really curious. I think a lot of us are feeling some really negative effects or at least the fear over potential negative effects of the Trump administration, and like the message I think right now for white women is really like. 
you better consider women of color this time, you know? Yeah. But does that mean, again, are we in more of a backlash? Like, is this a reactive state for, you know, our social time? Or is it more of an active state? You know, I don't, I don't know. It's just yeah, something to really think about. It's really interesting to think about because if it, if it is a backlash in this moment, what, what were the things that were leading up to it? Because it's not right. like there have been huge changes in women's rights. Like, if you, if you think of something as, 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 um, as large in magnitude as housewives in the 30s, you know, we, we, we just come out of the depression and, and now we're all going to work to literally fuel the nation. And then the backlash, you know, was, was the, the entire decade of the 50s and some of the 60s. If you think like, what was our 50s? Yeah. You know, if, we, if we're in, or I mean, not 50s, sorry, what was our 40s? 20s. Well, yeah. 20s I mean, to 40. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, here's, like, like, so here's my theory, though, maybe, right? Because, like, especially since it is more classist and we're still, so, like, feminism still, until very recently, in my opinion, is, like, not, it's very white-driven. Oh. Um, it makes me, like, I don't know. It makes me think that maybe during the Obama presidency, like, we that was like the time after the revolution so like i i was saying this to you earlier um when we were talking offline but you know i was rereading the part in her book where she talks about the american revolution which of mm-hmm. course made me think about hamilton which is really why i was rereading Alexander it hamilton. i just started listening to it again from, like, yes! from the very beginning yesterday so <laughs> that yeah. is great news that is great news um but you know it was talking about how you know other than a lot of men dying in battle that left women unmarried, that it was really because there was the new message of freedom, of liberty, equality, and justice for all, which, like, you know, the message inspired women, too, because how could it not, right? It inspires some hope. You know, I wrote down the quote um, by Mary Beth Norton, who's a historian. The egalitarian rhetoric of the revolution provided the women's rights movement with its earliest vocabulary, right? So it... Bear with me. I'm almost done with my point. I promise it's coming full full circle. So, like, I've been thinking about is the Obama presidency that for white women, right? Because he has his own white privilege and he has this message of hope and equality for the future, which I totally bought into. Then realizing, like, now, I mean, I still love this man so deeply. Don't get me wrong. But it's like a lot of black lives did not get better. Right. Like all the glitters isn't gold, you know? Right. And it's like, was I just wrapped up in my own, like what I thought was like this egalitarian rhetoric of the, you know, of, of freedom for all. Like now that we have a black president, like not like, again, like not considering women of color. Like when I'm like, Oh, the world's awesome. And now it's terrible because the Trump presidency is here. And that's like, so not true. (laughs) That's so interesting. And actually when you get to it, the whole like last chapter of Keanu Yamada Taylor is about that. Yes! It's so good. And it's like, it's perfect. So that makes me feel so smart. <laughs> right? It's like, it's Wait, like hold we on, wrote hold it. On, hold on. Let me just. <laughs> <laughs> I am obs- I'm so glad you I found felt, that app. It is I so felt good. compelled to play harp. I love so. it. I love it. Um, whatever. I was really excited when I got Game Winner earlier. I didn't think I was game ever going to get Game Winner. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, so she she talks very much about that as well, that it's like, it's also a white privilege moment to be like, well, we had a black president because it's like, did we? 
you know, it makes me it makes me think very much of like like and yes, like of course we did, you know, but but the platform that that he had to promote black lives was not one that he used very much. Right. Well, and in fact, like really repeated a lot of the rhetoric that were that is a microaggression that is filled with microaggressions you know and I think I've read a lot about how so much of that is related to his upbringing like growing up with a single mom but you know I mean he really he didn't grow up in the same way that a lot of black children do and so he has his own kind of privileged perspective which is why even he was able to be an optimist throughout his presidency because he thinks good of all people and he himself would even potentially be one maybe at least years ago to be like i don't know i don't think there is as much racism anymore and then it's like people thank god he's an active listener because i think a lot of people did open his eyes more to institutional and systemic racism um which is why he ended up visiting prisons but it's like too little too late kind of i mean he said he started to set a standard but like yeah i mean a lot of his messaging before a bunch of you know, black children have been shot across the country and mothers are grieving. A lot of his messaging was still kind of pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Why are you being lazy? Like, stop selling drugs. Yeah, I mean, it was like, well, we have to do better in our communities. And it's like, I mean, of course that's true, right? Like, that message can be said to every single person in the entire world. Like, we all need to do better. We need to do better. Yeah. But, But some of us have the tools to do better a lot more readily available than others. And, sure, and sure. it was really the moment for him to say that. And it, I think that is largely what happened with the African-American vote this time around. Yeah. Because well, it was like, well, them. yeah, like, <laughs> I don't either. Like, you know, like, we came out and we voted for somebody who we truly believed was going to make a difference for us. And he still called us thugs. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like. It reminds me so much, and I'm, I'm like, I'm going to go watch it again because I'm obsessed with true crime everything. Um, yes! <laughs> there's that six-part series on, it's Obama, or Obama, oh my God. Ugh. It's um, O.J. Simpson, um, Made in America. I think that's what it's called. Is that what it's called? What did you just put out? <laughs> the you, lion what? roar. Roar! <laughs> um, it's, I think it's, it's like, it was made by ESPN, I think, and it's O.J. Made in America. And anyway, it's... Oh, it's I, an- I just heard about that, but okay. <laughs> Remind me to tell you a story about that later. <laughs> okay. Mm, it's okay. about Secrets. weed gummies. It's about weed gummies. Like, no, it's very funny. I don't mind sharing it on here. I just, like, don't want to interrupt you. Anyway, go. <laughs> well, I was just saying that, that you know, he... Um, they basically interviewed, like, a bunch of white guys about the kind of person O.J. Simpson is, which is fine, you know? But yeah. they're talking about, like, well, O.J. didn't see color. He was just, and he was, you know, it, he was um, extremely famous at the exact same time that you had um, Muhammad Ali changing his name, and you had, you know, all of this kind of stuff going on, and there, were, there was a lot of grassroots movement, and a, and a lot of the, like, African-American, um, like, celebrity icons were out there fighting for their community, yeah. and, and he was not. Yeah. And at the end, and because he was like, well, I don't see color, and, and I had a really interesting conversation with Stuart about this. Because he was like, well, isn't that a good thing? And I was like, no. No, it's I don't the worst. think it is. I think it's kind of the worst, you know? And, well, and, and at I was this like, point, because, because it's not, it's not, I mean, it's bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit. <laughs> it's bullshit. You know, I mean, it's absolutely bullshit. Like, what? Like, oh, okay. Like, like the, the people in the room, like, are really treating him like a white guy? Right. No, they're not. If he was, if he wasn't amazing at sports, <laughs> you know, they wouldn't have, want to have anything to do with him. 
So like that's not re. So anyway, it reminds me of that moment where it's like such a it, like. While I'm like super obsessed with the Obama presidency, it not only like will be a moment I will never forget when he was elected and seeing him live and just that entire thing. I, you know, I'm also kind of learning a little bit about like how it was really lackluster and how, again, like privilege check, I didn't really have to be concerned yeah, with a lot of that. Exactly. With a lot of the rhetoric he was using and, and you know, what he said in press conferences. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, oh, okay. Yeah. The country's I, exactly. better. Like, we have a black president. Okay, bye. Yeah. Well, and, of course, like, he's so hard not to love. So it was, like, intermixed totally. with his, like, natural amazingness and our own white privilege and his white privilege. It's just, like, a whole whole lot of rose-colored glasses happening. <laughs> yeah. Rose-colored glasses, Rose. if you will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why why baby cry i don't know as an accident i wanted to ask you to do the baby cry when we were talking about um the your your co-worker's husband being Damn like, it. Can you not go out <laughs> i'm a man baby i can't hang out with my own immediate family alone my parents scare me <laughs> so sad she would like she's not allowed to hang out with us because we would be like leave him he sucks i know I know, right? Oh, God. It's just like, yeah, yeah, it makes me so sad. And I feel like there's just going to be so much to talk about, not just with Rebecca Tracer's book, but I think it is a really good starting off point to have conversations about feminism and, of course, just, you know, kind of as a kickoff, I guess, to like maybe mini series to our intersectionality um, series we're going to have um, coming up really soon. I think it's just, for me at least, it gets the juices flowing and I think is a, a good jumping off point, at least from where we're coming from, which is the white privileged totally. blonde woman. <laughs> and I want to, I just want to put in one other thought that I had while reading this book. It's, I'm, I'm a very, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a very newly married person. And yay, so, wait, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, just oh my God, do they one have more. Like, dun, 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 dun. I really hope they do. Uh, do you think that would be under moo or record scratch? <laughs> Give me I don't a think so. Give I don't think moo. so. You want a moo? Okay, yeah. hold up. Let me go back to the moo. <laughs> Whoa, that was a rough <laughs> moo. Marriage cow. <laughs> Marriage cow. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, it's it's a really interesting lens to look at this book through being a person who's and I'm like extremely happily married like I I really 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 love my partner and am you know like I feel super like hashtag blessed hashtag humble brag <laughs> to you know like for you know to to call him my person and and I'm I don't when I read a lot of it it also plays into not only just my privilege of being of being a white person and my, my inherent privilege, but also I've been so privileged to find a person that doesn't make me feel like this. When I'm reading, you know, all of these, the interviews and stuff that she does with people talking about, and, and, you know, talking about how miserable people are, you know, being, and how it like ends their dreams and stuff. Like I've, I've just honestly never felt that way. And That's awesome. yeah, Wait, I mean, it's, game it's, winner. Game winner. But like <laughs> it's Stuart Berman, you're the winner. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, so that was also, that's also a really interesting thing, um, for me to think about too. It's like, just because I myself am not, I'm like, well, what do you mean? Marriage is awesome. 
And it's like, well, no, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's like, it's a privilege check on an emotional level yeah. as well as, as, you know, a, a racial and socioeconomic level. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I just, as always, appreciate your openness, um, you know, with coming from that perspective. And I also just, as someone who is also very much in love, like, I appreciate hearing you say that, too, because I think that it's okay to be an advocate to change or destroy the institution of marriage and still have feelings. And still want it yourself. And still want it yourself. Exactly. It's like, who doesn't want to have... I mean, there are some people who don't, but there's not a lot of people who don't want to have a partner in life. And so I think it's really interesting to to have a married woman on this podcast and a single woman on this podcast as we kind of parse through this text because but because we, we have a lot of the same perspective despite that. And I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. So yeah. I think we'll, I mean, with that, I think, I think that was Rebecca Traster part one. Part she's one. She's also the queen of the week. Is you guys. she? She's okay. The, I was she's gonna the, ask. I mean, I want her to be the queen of the week. Can if she you're be a okay tie? With that, Can she be a tie? Yeah. With, Heck yeah. Who do you have? I think she would appreciate this because, um, I think Rebecca is also a white woman herself. I think she we, is. Yeah. I think we at least need to give a tie to Beyonce, who did not oh, win that God, Grammy, yes. who didn't win that Grammy, and Adele. Oh. Adele gave her the appropriate. Like that's exactly what we were talking about earlier. Actually, like women in power using their influence to set the standard. Like I love that Adele was like, um, "Excuse me, like Beyonce definitely deserved this more than me. Like what the fuck is wrong with you people?" Yeah. So and I in just, her interview yeah. at the end, she was like, what the fuck does Beyonce have to do to win album of the year? I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. But she's not the queen because Beyonce deserves to be the queen. But Rebecca oh Traster God. also deserves to be the queen. And shoot, what freaking sound effect should I use? It was the I first use? trumpet. Oh, okay. Wait, I have I have to do that one on the computer. So oh, on. oh, that's no, no, okay. No, nope, nope. It's going to happen right now. Get excited. <laughs> It's okay. It's our last thing, right? Can, should I end with these amazing trumpets? Yeah, I think so. Do we have any final announcements? Um, follow us on Facebook. We've actually gotten some rad involvement on Facebook. And keep telling us what you want to hear more of, what you, you know, if you're interested in knowing more about what we're reading, if you're interested in knowing more um, about the people that we are hopefully going to be interviewing very soon, which is super exciting. Yes. Like, just let us know what you want to know. Um, we're facebook.com slash check and chat and on Twitter at the chat, or it's just at Chug and Chat. I almost said the Chug and Chat and ruined everything. Chug and chat. Chug and chat. The Chug chat. <laughs> um, and you know, we'll see you. We'll see you very soon to Chug and Chat with us. Chug and Chat sounds okay. amazing. Goodbye. Okay. And okay, everyone. Goodbye. Okay, and Queen of the Week. But here you go. No. Wait. <laughs> Wait. Sh- no. Ooh. I know, right? Okay, bye!